Welcome to the Greg Allen Podcast. Thanks for joining us where we talk about life. I truly believe that everyone has a story to tell and a lesson to teach. And that's what this show is all about. So if you're enjoying the show, please head over and leave us a review. It helps us connect, inspire and help more people like you. And I just want to do a big shout out to you for taking the time to grow and improve. So good on you. Keep doing what you're doing and good luck in life. Cool. All right. Hi, everyone. We're here with Josh Horneman and Paul Clark. Thank you guys for joining us. I'm really excited to jump into some process delivery and things that we can do to make sure that when we're coming out of this crisis, how do we plan and prepare for the future? So really um, excited to jump into that and talk about those things. So thanks for joining us, guys. No worries at all. All right, so we wanted to talk about a little bit about your experience, Paul. You've already gone through a similar experience in terms of business experience in the past. Do you mind just sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, no problem at all. So um, yeah, as you can probably tell by my accent, I'm originally from the UK and uh, I had built up four small companies and importantly traded those companies through that hideous GFC recession, which in the UK lasted seven years. I can remember in June 2007, the phone stopped, the purchase order stopped, the email request for projects stopped, um, and everything came to a grinding halt and every single business contact that you spoke with had an identical um, set of challenges. So uh, it's pretty spooky how that is being mirrored right now with the COVID-19 issue. So um, yeah, that was a pretty scary time. And uh, businesses took a lot of really unprecedented and innovative measures to help them survive. And it was a case of survival just as it is now. Yeah, no, that's that's um, interesting that it's following the same sort of trend and we haven't hit that yet. And I know a lot of businesses out there probably haven't been around for 12 years or 13 years or whatever it was since then. So that's, that's you know, a new space for a lot of businesses. So, um, so what are the sort of things that you went through to, you know, that must have been a, such a shock to you and was there a lot of hope in that as well? You're like, I hope it picks up, I hope it picks up or you just jump straight into sure. action? I think, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the time you have to think on your feet uh, similar to now, there was a lot of personal stress. You felt under pressure, uh, not least about your finances. And one of the measures that we took, in fact, fortunately, the only reason my businesses survived was uh, part of our business model. I had a, a, a very unusual marketing and uh, business software combined business under the same roof. But we actually allowed our customers to pay uh, on interest-free credit. So if someone raised a proposal for $24,000, let's say, we allowed them to pay that $24,000 by equal monthly installments of $2,000 a month for their projects. And we've been doing that for quite some time. That steadied our cash flow, and that enabled us to have a level of cash flow to maintain ourselves, and our clients could manage that monthly expenditure to keep raising new projects instead of having to meet uh, spiked costs so by flatlining <clears throat> excuse me as much as possible uh, those payment terms it was attractive to clients it enabled them to carry on trading and it enabled us to carry on trading so that was just one example one insight into how we personally survived that 
Yeah, no, yeah, that's great innovative approach to making sure the finance worked for everyone and, and a point of difference for your customers to come and uh, use you over the competitors. So I think a lot of people are going to have to start creatively like that soon. Correct. And the other the other big message really is there isn't, you know, you have to look at your overheads. You have to slash your overheads to the absolute minimum immediately. You cannot carry staff. Uh, unfortunately, it's a, not a very pleasant situation. Uh, but having had to sit across the table to to many, you know, to quite a few very good staff in, in, in my instance, and have to tell them, let them know that, we, you know, that the business can't sustain uh, uh, their jobs. You know, we had to reduce our numbers, thankfully, just from 13 to 10. So it wasn't too bad for us. Yeah. Uh, but though, those kind of measures, you, you, the, the key message is do not delay those. Do not delay those because you have to plan for the future. You have to think about what happens during the during this recession and how you're going to equip yourself when things start to pick up. So, were, did you have any warning? Because at the moment we've got coronavirus is the the core problem we've, we're facing right now, and there's a, a, an obvious thing that's happening. Was there something like that for the GFC? Was there something like you like, or did it just gradually? You said it stopped all of a sudden, didn't it? So. Yeah, I can remember. It, it actually happened within a six-week period. So actually, it's quite very, very similar to what's happening right now. Uh, there was a six-week window when it really fell off a cliff, yeah. uh, and that was the honest truth. And it was the same experience for nearly every business contact I certainly had, and uh, my contacts were saying exactly the same thing. So it's a very, very strong correlation between what we're going through now uh, and the GFC. Thankfully, um, this situation should resolve itself uh, rather quicker than GFC did certainly in the UK because it was absolutely horrendous for about six or seven years afterwards. And we have to remain optimistic, although things, you know, trading environments will change. The way that everyone adopts uh, digital will change and grow uh, as a result of this, I'm sure. Remote working will probably increase. There's a whole range of things uh, that people are talking about on how to come out of this. But really, for businesses, um, regardless of the duration of this, preparing yourself for now and also preparing yourself for when things pick up is the absolute key. And mm. trying to fudge your way through the situation without a plan, in, without an immediate plan, and then without a forward plan is probably the worst thing you can do. Mm. Yeah, so, so not just trying to... Um, act reactively to things like, hey, let's try this, something new. Let's try that for a couple of weeks. And then, no, nah, that's not working. Try this for a couple of weeks and that's not working. You know, so, yeah. so great. Uh, yeah, yeah. If I can jump on that point, I yeah. think the, the, reaction, the reaction side of things is driven by emotion, right? We're all in such emotive states at the moment, driven by media and news and information changing constantly. And that really, really clouds business decisions and particularly when it comes to managing that cash flow. And so Paul's point about letting staff go, it is, it is a very challenging thing for small business. You know, usually you're employing a workforce under 20 maybe in size. And so you know everybody, you've got strong relationships and holding on to every single individual in that staff at full rate, you know, paying them as much as you can because you want to help them out is a lovely thing to do but that's not how your business survives this kind of thing. And you're seeing big businesses make tough decisions at the moment and let lots of people go um, because that's how they know they will survive. And so as a small business, you've really got to have 
you know, there's there's room for emotion and, and treating it the right way and going through the right process. But you've got to think about coming out the other end and being able to keep the five people that you might keep in a job and then bring those other people back when the opportunity arises. And, and you can't be making decisions that are hugely emotionally based on news and reacting and this is happening now, so I've got to do this, I've got to do that. That's just not how you're going to get through this process and come out the other side with, you know, opportunity ahead of you. Yeah. So there's some tough decisions to be made, um, but they're really, really critical ones. A perfect segue, if I may use that phrase, sure. into kind of the next kind of subject, really, and that is how you go about your next stage planning. Uh, no matter when you start, and, and uh, my experience in the UK was was very much as you just outlined there, Greg. In the midst of all of the uh, the drama and the and the and the stress that was happening with the GFC, one of my companies started to build a business planning cloud tool. Uh, so we actually built this tool during the the worst of the recession. Um, so um, and that uh, that was an educational process to think around a very practical business way of planning your business and looking at your business model, which is a kind of what we're kind of coming on to now in terms of, you know, how what businesses should be considering as they move out of the, the COVID-19 peak. Yeah. So, yeah, that, uh, really a, a case in point. Um, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. Out of, out of a difficult situation often comes, you know, great ideas and innovation uh, and good ideas. So, yeah, yeah we, we start to look at that kind of planning scenario. There are, there are quite a few core things to consider when you start to, to, to look at your business model afresh and look at and you consider what's happened uh, and you see where your market opportunities are. Uh, there are some very good processes that you can follow, which I'll kind of let Josh maybe take us through uh, some of those step-by-step um, highlights really to consider and I'll, I'll chip in uh, as, as we go through. Yeah, I, I was going to jump in and, and just talk about where a lot of people are facing immediate change is in that kind of either sourcing of products. So we've got a mass restriction on supply chain at the moment. So a couple of people I've been talking to have had their supply chain obliterated because they were providing product that came out of China uh, or, or throughout Asia. And so their business is completely shut up shop. But my challenge to them in that same conversation was, can you find someone to provide similar service, product, whatever it might be, within Australia? Can you, can you look elsewhere to source that as opposed to just calling it, it's done? And so, so really when it comes to this planning process, it's about identifying first and foremost how you're getting something to your customer then what, what are you sourcing to create that that product, that service, whatever it might be? And, and like you say, Greg, if it's a service, there could be a glut in the market soon of talent. But if it's a product, it's what's your cost of sale to create that now? How has that changed? And are, are you still going to have a profitable outcome in selling that? Do you have to be reducing the price of it because that's just the way the market views this now and therefore you reduce your cost, cost of sale and your cost base? And and so there's, there's so much that starts to become a part of the thinking to ensure that coming out the, out the other end of this, you're actually running a profitable business. And you're not just, you know, you might for a period of time just be doing what you've got to do to get some dollars in the door, but that can become the norm. And before you know it, you're not actually running a profitable business once we're out the other side of this sort of COVID crisis. Uh, so you've really got to make sure that you've got visibility and clarity on all of those steps. Uh, and ensuring that you're you're paying what you should for what it takes to create or deliver the product or service, 
and that your customer is allowing you to see some sort of profit back into the company that keeps you going, helps you survive. Um, so that, yeah, the planning process has to really define, you know, how you're taking something to the market in this new world, whether it becomes a Zoom call as opposed to face-to-face sessions, whether it becomes a, an internal supplier within Australia or Western Australia that you identify that helps you continue delivering the product you are creating. Um, and, and understanding how you're sourcing that and then taking that to market again in this new world uh, and really making sure it lines up financially. So proving that, just doing some really simple modeling around what the cost of acquiring the product is, putting things together, different processes are going to have to come into place. Um, overheads, man, everyone's cutting overheads left, right and centre. And I think that's an amazing thing because that's revolutionising the way we're running business. You know, I'm sitting in my makeshift office with posters that I haven't hung on the wall yet. My wife's not too happy about it, but it'll happen now because I'm at home and I can do everything that I was doing previously at home, sitting in this makeshift office. Um, it's not going to change anything. All the people that I would have driven an hour to go and see and sit down and have a face-to-face with, we can just do it like this. So my cost base for delivering my service is rapidly decreasing. And I'd love to continue doing this this way in the future because you can see the kids when you want to have a break and all this sort of stuff. So, so there's a lot of benefit in this, but it is also going to mean we can reduce the cost of our services. We can reduce the cost of acquisition for, for whatever it might be to, to build something, make something, et cetera. But they're the kind of key things that I think in this planning process people need to start thinking about first. And you can do back-of-the-napkin calculations to just make sure it makes sense just before you dive into that great new idea you've had because you're stressed and it's not actually the right way to go. Mm. So that, that I think, is some of the really important first steps to take going through this process. Yep. Um, Paul might have a few things to add. Yeah, no, I mean, it's absolutely core to doing it. And it's also, yeah, some of the other things to consider are how are you going to sell your products and services? Because that might change too. Channels to market are absolutely key, and they may that may well have changed. There may be some reduction in how you can do that. You can do it more efficiently, do it a different way. Uh, so the the channels to market are a very very important thing to consider. The other thing is diversification. You know, do you come out of the COVID nine recession doing the same stuff you're doing now, or do you remove a third from your portfolio and add a new third on to enable you to sustain yourself? in terms of your range of products and services, we could see a, a shift uh, in the in the diversification and product spread and service spread of businesses quite easily. Mm. Uh, and again, mm. uh, you know, and certainly from the clients that I'm working with, you know, thankfully we were already on with that over the last couple of years. Um, and that's, that is a, it's almost like a behavior. Uh, it, it's, it's, sometimes it's a bit less of a strategy. It's actually a willingness to think like that to think that it's actually okay to start to explore doing things differently, creating new products and services, packaging things up. And as I touched on earlier on, thinking of innovative ways that your customers can pay you. So it's not all about pricing and about service. It's actually thinking a bit broader than that uh, in terms of how that might work. So one of the things to consider when we're talking about diversification is, as well as planning your business as a whole, you can actually plan out the viability of those new services and products that you're thinking about introducing. So you don't have to rush to try and uh, create something and just add it onto your sales portfolio. It's You could stress test it first, uh, and you can look at the profitability, the genuine market, 
how much competition there is in the market for that particular service at the moment. Stress test that first. Look at that diversification. Stress test it first. Make sure that it's profitable. Make sure that you can actually deliver it operationally before you actually then start to add that into your portfolio. So planning, 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 very, very important, uh, both in the short term uh, and, as I say, um, as an integral part of how we move post um, COVID-19. Yeah, definitely. I think I think the it's funny we've we've talked a lot about planning, but it's actually really about proving. And so what we're really trying to do is prove that something's going to work before we just start chasing a great idea or an idea that's come from that stressful place you were talking about, Greg. And and we're going to have a lot of those, but but the faster you can prove them and get to a no, this isn't actually the way we're going to go, the better off you are because you're going to see benefit by choosing the right one and going in the right direction. Um, so we've touched a lot on, I guess, that financial stuff and proving things from a financial perspective. But once you've got something, it's how do you then execute on that? And that's almost the business plan to that financial plan. And so that's really where you're identifying the sort of critical elements, the, the sort of ingredients to making it successful in this new marketplace. Uh, because it is, it's a very rapidly shifting marketplace. And so the things that are excelling are home delivery based sort of solutions and, and I'll come to you instead of you having to come to me. And, and so you've got to really start thinking about how your marketing product and digital is going to dominate, I think, in the near term. Uh, and it's going to get so much noisier than it is. And so making sure you're across the best platform to you to reach this new customer, that, that's critical. Yeah. So understanding where this customer is for maybe this diversified direction you're heading or, or this new world so that you're spending time, effort and energy in the right place and not just a bit of a shotgun approach across like six different platforms, hoping something sticks. So really nailing and understanding that sort of the marketing approach and the go-to-market side of things alongside that sort of proven financial piece is critical because you can potentially spend way more than you should be to sort of get that, that customer acquisition nailed. Um, and then I think there's a lot to be said about the value of video in this world at the moment. There's a lot of people that are still terrified to stand in front of a camera and talk, but I think we're seeing hopefully more and more people adjusting to that uh, and, and being willing to sort of have a, a conversation with a customer face-to-face uh, and investing in a little bit of that kind of, you know, Simple editing and video sort of production can elevate what you've got as a message so much in this environment and can really put your light years ahead of others um, within, a, within a market. And Greg, you're a perfect example of that with all the work you've done with response and, and sort of that electrician world. Uh, you, you so rapidly elevate yourself above, above, above those who just have their number on the side of their car. So, so it's a very, very much a shifting market in that respect. So, so understanding how you're taking this new product to market is so, so important. Uh, and, and being sure you're doing it in a targeted manner, uh, knowing where your customer is and, and helping them appreciate this, this new product, service offering, pricing model, delivery model, etc. cetera. Um, so, yeah, really, really critical in that delivery point. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I think that if we can't innovate right now and bring out new ways of delivering service without actually going anywhere, if you are a... Uh, you know, a company that goes to people's houses or, or businesses to provide the service of value, then we're going to see a real uh, stall in your, you know, ability to sell product. So we need yep. to think of ways to be able to do that without, you know, have to physically be there. And just having that question on the table gets you thinking, doesn't it? Like anyone listening to this right now is, is thinking right now, 
oh yeah, how am I going to do that? And there's technology yeah. out there that's going to enable you to be able to do the things that you're thinking about right now too. And if, if I pick a trade, I'll use a plumber as an example. So I have a mate who's a plumber and uh, he's a, a commercial plumber, but I still call him when I have a problem at my house because I'm not a handyman. Uh, and he will video chat with me. I'll show him what the problem is. He'll tell me exactly what I've got to do. I'll go get the parts myself and I'll start doing the change myself. And I'll send him, you know, a carton of beer or whatever it might be every now and then because I keep asking him to help a problem. But you as a plumber could start doing video call servicing because people don't want you in their house. There, there's this, and so there's so much opportunity, even in environments where people think, oh, it's a physical solution. Nah, there's so many ways around it these days that you can still be making money. You can still be a little bit at a time and it's going to add up. So, yeah. so really that thinking and, and yeah, innovative approach is critical. So with that, um, don't say his name on camera because plumbing is a licensed trade, but, but something like changing your mind. <laughs> but, but, um, but changing a washer or, you know, walking yeah, someone through a fault is. line for electrical yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is something that you can do. So that's a really good example of like, Doing it legally and within the framework that we've got to work within always is mm-hmm. uh, is the way that we want to think. And it, there are solutions. There are ways that you're going to be able to achieve that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Cool. But yeah, there's uh, I mean, there's many many awesome things that people can start to think about acting on that sort of stress fueled idea, but doing it in a smart way and really trying to understand that it's going to be you know, ideally profitable um, in the long term, uh, but support the business in sort of getting through the storm that's coming uh, in in some places is really already here. Um, And yeah, there's a ton of tools out there. You know, we've got our tool venture cast that people can use and we've explained some of the elements of that today, but back of the napkin stuff to really get to know fast, I think is a really, really critical part of this process and not just going, I've had a great idea putting all of my eggs in that basket and chasing it. You really got to prove what's possible before you go after it. We, um, we had an, I've got a personal example of what we did because we had the fear of being shut down completely as a company as well. And we did some financial forecasting of, okay, if we get shut down, what does it look like for two weeks and what does it look like for four weeks financially for us? Like we do zero work. And that's worst case scenario and electrical is uh, an essential service so we won't be doing zero work but mm. I still forecast for zero because mm. if we do anything it's better than what I've forecasted so when we looked at that and we actually said well everyone's going to stay at home we're going to what, what does it look like when we pay wages what does it look like when we fire 50 percent what does it look like when we fire 100 percent and and just had a full idea of exactly what this looks like and what trigger will we pull at the right time if we need to mm. Um, so mm. I think that's something that people don't do. They, they feel scared. They don't want to put themselves in their mind even in that position. So they just don't yeah. even go there. And that's like the yeah. worst thing yeah. you can do in business because you don't know what's going to happen. And if it, if it does happen, like cafes, restaurants, you know, tourism companies right now, they're like, oh shit, I didn't even think mm. about this. And now we're, we've got it happening right now. So like yeah. what you guys are saying, like we have to think, we have to put ourselves in that difficult position and yeah. what, what if, even though you don't want that to happen so bad, you still have to go there in your mind. Yeah, yeah. But, but there's support out there, like we're saying, around that kind of finding an advisor to help you have that conversation with yourself and, and use that sounding board. Sorry, I cut you off, Paul. Oh, that's fine. No, you're, you're absolutely right. 
And I think one of the things, going back to GFC again, from the experience that we had with the GFC was, you know, yeah, you, you've, it's quite confronting. Uh, you've got to be really upfront about your business. And it's actually a real test of metal for business leaders at the moment. It's not a very pleasant one, but it's a real test of metal for business leaders. I mean, we're talking about, you know, staffing and, and the, the really, you know, it can be pretty traumatic to have to let people go. But if you try and focus on the positive side of that and think, what does my business need as we move out of this financial uh, stress into a new world? If I'm going to change my business model by a third, I'll probably need, as a business owner, different types of staff in there. So yeah. actually, really, no matter how difficult it is to let people go, yeah. you have to keep focus on the new team. Uh, and it might only be a small adjustment from the team that you that you entered this period with. Uh, but it's, it, it is all about making sure you've got the right team of people for the next era of the business. Uh, and it, and we saw lots of examples in the UK, certainly, of businesses that tried everything they could to retain their, the same staff. And ethically, that's admirable, of course. Uh, but actually, when they came out of recession, they were actually, with good ideas, they were ill-equipped to actually deliver those new ideas and have a different type of business afterwards. So they're pretty serious things to consider. And they're very, very challenging. Uh, it's never very pleasant, but they're the, they're the literal, the practical things that will be in the mindset of a lot of business owners at the moment. This is a question for either of you uh, around staffing um, and their pay. So one way to cut costs is to reduce their pay. The way I see it at the moment is a lot of people are getting fired, so there's going to be an oversupply in the workforce and uh, an opportunity to reduce wages to keep your staff within your company. Is that a straight, like, say if... Say if we're paying our staff forty dollars an hour, um, and then instead of and we had you know four four staff members or five staff members, and we dropped everyone by ten dollars an hour, we could for the instead of firing someone for the same cost, we could drop everyone by ten, mm -hmm. and everyone gets to keep their jobs. Is that sort of the solution we're thinking here, or we is it better just to yeah. let someone go? No, spot on, spot on. I think it's 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 a little bit creative, and it's going to be based on the business type, you know. So one of the legal firms I use, they've all put everyone made the decision to go back to three days a week. So their their wage has reduced aligned to that three days a week. Yeah, they were all salaried for a five day week, but everybody has made the conscious decision. We all want to keep our jobs. We all want to keep operating. There's still things to be done, but everyone's stepped down to three days a week. So I think it's going to be based on the demand that you're going to have or the opportunities that you see and being able to still service them. You don't want to shut up shop, right? That's the last last thing you want to do. So anything you can do to come up with a creative solution that keeps people employed, uh, keeps you being able to service customers, critical. And I, I think you've got to be creative about it, uh, but have open conversations at the same time. So really try and make, make sure everybody's across why this decision was made, what the outcome is, why it benefits everybody, not just you as the business owner or not just Steve who's the manager. It's, it's why everybody is benefiting from this. So in terms of now, what are, what are you both, and maybe Josh, if you want to uh, talk about it, um, the noticing with your clients, what are sort of the questions they're asking, the, the, the challenges they're coming to you with? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's still a lot of uncertainty, so a lot of people just don't have clarity on on what the future holds, and that tends to be getting in the way of them making big decisions. And I guess from our perspective, when advising people, it's it's coming 
from a point of view out of the business. And so we can sit down with them and go, well, if we look three months ahead uh, and, and you've got a work pipeline of, you know, maybe 15 projects, what's the likelihood that they're going to come off? Probably not 100% of them. So let's go with three or four that are yours. So, so it's looking at the, the best opportunity and really focusing on that opportunity, understanding what's required to service that, uh, and then using that to lead the decisions that you're going to make to survive that next three months. Um, so it's, it's, it's really taking stock of where the business is at, what that overhead number is. I think that's the big thing that so many people are forgetting to look at. Uh, obviously, we're all being forced back into our houses at the moment, or we hopefully are all choosing to self-isolate as much as possible. And so you've got a mass reduction in overhead. Um, and so it's having conversations about anyone that you're holding a lease with, you know, all your financials, all the stuff that people uh, kind of push to the wayside because that human step is the one, the one that I want to focus on most of that staff, staffing questioning they spend a lot of time on, whereas they can get a lot of value out of finding a holiday period on loans and, and trying to get that sort of stuff nailed so then you can make the best decisions with supporting your staff and making sure the business gets out the other side. Um, so I, I think for me, uh, the financial stuff, if you can nail it first, do so. I think that's going to get you real clarity, understanding what your position is, understanding what you need to last two months, three months, six months, um, knowing that this might go on that far. That's what the government kind of keeps talking about. Uh, and then building a plan against that and making decisions aligned to that, not just based on the next news article that comes out that says this thing's going to go for 12 months or 18 months. It's just, just think small chunks, act on those chunks, but really make sure you're doing it with a financial focus. I think that's critical at this time. Yeah, totally. Would you yeah, reckon? Yeah, I'd just add to that. Um, yeah, just briefly add to that. Yeah, great points raised by Josh. And also for businesses, if you have a really good trusted advisor or external third-party consultant or access to them, it's absolutely crucial that you use that person as a sounding board, someone who's not 100% wedded into that business who can actually provide a, a balanced view and some balance and some calmness in terms of the decision-making. The worst decision-making, as we all know, is the decision-making that takes place under stress. That's not good. Uh, we're in. We're absolutely in that zone as business owners at the moment, uh, and so yeah. What one a big piece of advice I would say is, if you haven't already got one, try and seek a really good sound uh, third-party advisor, and just tap into them, use them as a sounding board. The other thing is to consider something that happened in the GFC right in the middle of all this is also just think about collaboration. Who else can you partner with to try and either soften the blow? or to actually partner with to potentially even deliver services in a combined and innovative way. We only normally think very, very siloed about our own businesses often. One of the big things that came out of GSC, which we might touch on a little bit later in this session, is actually that collaboration. But collaboration took place right in the hub of it as well. Actually thinking about what other businesses you've got really good relationships that you can partner with to get resolutions for your customers. And you do whatever you need to do to retain and keep that relationship with customers. One last little point too. Now is the time to be talking to your customers, even socially. Uh, just keep in touch with the customers. It is a hugely important thing. Everyone's feeling very, very insecure, uh, very, very uncertain for the reasons we all know about. But that communication with the clients, absolutely paramount. Yeah, no, really, really yeah, good points no, there. Really 
So I've got. Uh, I'd love to talk about a point that I got from you, Paul, but also from you, Josh. On with jo- Josh, you were saying when time to cut the costs. Are we talking about from the household level down from for directors of businesses? So it's almost like cutting all of our costs, stop going out so much, stop buying dinner and lunch out and whatever you do as a director, depending on the size of your business um, and your social activities and level. So yeah, yeah. Are, we, are we talking cutting that? Because obviously the wages and directors' dividends that you pay yourself would be yeah. quite a large amount of money as well. It's yeah, it's across the board. I think it's across the board, and that's a leadership thing, really. So if you if you are you know the leader of that team that you've employed or people that you're working with, it's you need to take the lead, and you need to be the one that says you know I'm reducing, I'm taking this step. You see that with Alan Joyce at Qantas, who immediately said I'm not taking a salary for 12 months, and obviously still had let a few people go. But that's a leadership decision, and I think it's a critical decision in business and at home. And so it should flow across the board. And so all of us should be thinking about what's our financial position in the household and what's our financial business in, uh, position in the business because they're both completely linked. You know, most of the people that hopefully are consuming this are in that small to medium enterprise space. And so they've still got mortgages. They've still got school fees. They've still got all the things that people have to cover and pay for whilst running a business. But definitely get across both sides of those things uh, and, and bring them together in terms of how you can manage uh, both both sides of those finances. And Paul, um, with the find a good financial advisor, like what are we looking for in a, an advisor? Like how do we know that there's a good one? Because obviously there's a lot of advisors out there. What sort of attributes <laughs> will you yeah, looking for for to get someone that actually knows what they're talking about and can think outside the box and be creative with those solutions yeah. they took? That's a great point, Greg. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you Ideally, you want someone who has run and owned a business for a pretty reasonable amount of time. It doesn't have to be a massive business, but someone who's been there uh, and bought the T-shirt and learned the hard way. Yeah. That's my best advice. Yep. So not someone that's um, not ever run a business, but they call themselves an advisor because they've read a couple of books. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yes. If I'm answering that politely, I would probably care. Cool. Yeah. All right. Sweet. I think I'll add on the advisor front, I'll just add, it doesn't matter if they haven't worked in your industry, as long as they have done what Paul, Paul has said and as we have, have run a business. And I mean, even better if they've run a business in tough times, you can get so much value out of somebody who's worked in a completely different industry and doesn't really know the ins and outs of yours because they have such a fresh set of eyes and they can add real value coming from a completely different perspective. But don't necessarily look at that sort of information. Look at just their track record and their, their successful history. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's a great point. Absolutely. Yeah. So when it comes to organizing our plan, our process, moving out of this, what are sort of the elements that we need to be looking at to, to move forward? Well, I think as we mentioned earlier on, it's critical to have a very, very short-term plan straight away. And, that, and you know, there will be a lot of other very good content on this platform, which takes you through the financial disciplines and the budgetary side uh, of looking at that. Uh, I think all I would say is you've got to be very pragmatic. Uh, and, you, and as I say, if you can get this third party advisor assistance to sit down with you and get that emergency, immediate rather, I wouldn't call it an emergency plan, but a, a short term plan uh, literally for the next two months. Uh, that's clearly the priority. And then phase two, yeah, is absolutely to start to consider 
what life looks like two or three months onwards from here. Uh, and the smart businesses are already looking at the opportunities post um, coronavirus uh, and how they're going to set themselves up, uh, what the landscape's going to look like and where the opportunities are. And even in the midst of the challenges and the stress that of the current trading climate, um, yeah, in a funny kind of way, if you're able to start at some point soon in getting ideas for a plan together, it actually helps to stimulate you. And that actually helps to add some positivity into the business leadership group. And it actually helps us. I know from previous experience, it actually really does help to clarify the thinking and help you cope with the here and now as well. So it might feel like you're you're piling more on your plate by adding a more medium to long term planning task on your plate. But it actually does help in the short term because you're influencing some of your short term decisions to equip yourself before you start, you know, before you get underway with that plan. So yeah. actually doing both is actually a help. It's a challenge, but it's a help. Yeah, I think some of the best uh, solutions and innovative ideas I've ever had is when I was most stressed, you know, and, and under the most amount of self-pressure. And that's when you know, beautiful things are born. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> and I don't like feeling like yeah, that, but that's when the best that. things happen. So I just throw myself in there all the time. (laughs) Is there any other points that you guys would like to add in terms of maybe support, um, in terms of forward thinking? You've said so much good stuff today already, but is there any last thoughts or or, uh, suggestions to people? The the biggest takeaway for me from all the conversations I'm having um, is understanding where you're at financially and seeking the available help to get through that before you make a lot of these big decisions. And that can be government help, that can be your bank, your like your uh, landlord, whoever it might be. It's going through those processes to really get a grasp on your financial position before you start making these, you know, snap decisions, letting go five people, whatever it might be. Um, Uh, So many people are making calls without having that clarity. So if you spend some time, invest some time in in getting that clarity, you're going to be in so much better place, like such a better place to make those decisions. So that would probably be the big thing I'd stress as a takeaway for for short term, because so many people are like clouded around what that short term thinking is. That's the big thing for me to do short term. Yeah, good point. How about you? There are plenty of good, plenty of good tools and people around to, to help provide that assistance. That's certainly a good message. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for your time. I think so many people are going to get so much value out of this, and I really appreciate you coming on board and helping Australian businesses get out of this period, and hopefully it's shorter than we think. We'll all be super happy in a couple of months. Like, it wasn't as bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, right. Great to help. Great to help. Cheers, Greg. Thanks, guys. Pleased to help.